truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 26, he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So Paul gives us a lot of instruction here. Here in chapter 4 of Ephesians here, verse 17 on down through the end of this chapter, he gives us a great deal of instruction on how we are to walk, how we are to not model ourselves after the world, but rather model ourselves after Christ and walk in Him. And, and uh, in so doing, he tells us some things that we are to put away from us and some things that we are to put on us and how that is to work out in our lives. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue on our study this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your great grace. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us this day. We thank you, Father, for your many blessings that you poured out on us. We're so thankful for each soul that is able to make it this way today. We have several still, Father, that are out from us, many with sickness and um, problems, Father, that uh, come with those sicknesses. And we just pray that you be with each one. That you give them that which they have need of this day. Father, that you might strengthen them, that you might heal them, that you might bring them uh, back to service as quickly as possible. Uh, we thank especially Brother Frank. He's there at the hospital this morning. We just pray, Father, that you'd give him healing this day. That you might strengthen his body. Uh, that he might be able to return home in some uh, similitude of, of normalcy today. And just pray that you'd be with him. That you'd that he would know of our prayers for him, but also, most importantly, your presence with him today. Father, for those many that we have on our list, you know all the needs. You know each one, Father, and what, uh, what situation they're facing. And we just pray that you would work, Father, that you'd move on their behalf. Help us, Father, that we would be faithful to remember them. Help us, Father, that we'd be faithful to minister as we could and can uh, each and every day on their behalf. We pray, Father, that you're your purpose, your will, Father, your presence might be made known unto them. And Father, we're so thankful for uh, all that you do for us this day and every day. Father, we realize that we can do nothing without you. We realize that we have to have you for everything in our lives. And so help us, Father, to be a people that are holding fast to you. That we are truly holding on, waiting, Father, for your direction, your guidance. Help us, Father, that we would be found faithful servants in our daily walk, that we would serve you as you called us to serve, that we would speak your name to those around us, Father, that we'd be faithful to witness of you. And Father, we just pray that you'd bless 
uh, in their endeavors, Father, save souls. By your grace, Father, make known unto them Christ Jesus. Those many, Father, we come in contact with, those in our family and friends that we know that are without you, that are in need of your grace, Father, we just pray that you pour out that salvation upon them. Help us, Father, to be faithful, to witness before them that they would hear your truth, hear your gospel, and that you would draw them unto yourself. Father, go with us now as we look to your word. Father, apply it to our lives. Help us to be found faithful to it. That we would walk in it as you've declared it to us here. Go with us now, we pray, as we look to your scriptures. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, Paul begins here by declaring, beginning in verse number 17, by declaring the walk of the Gentiles. And he says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now, the church at Ephesus here is primarily a Gentile church. That's who he's writing to. And so he's telling them, hey, don't walk like everybody else is like you. I mean, you all, you all know that they see the Gentiles. They are living among the Gentiles. They are Gentiles themselves. And so he, they... they how everybody else is walking, how everybody else is living, how everybody else is doing, their whole community is living in this way. And Paul says, don't act like them. <laughs> that same warning is for us today. We, we also are Gentiles. We, we live in a Gentile world. We live in Gentile society. And the, the, the rest of the Gentiles are walking as Gentiles walk. And just as Paul is giving this same warning to these folks here at the church at Ephesus, that same warning goes out to us as well here at Grace Baptist Church today as well. Don't walk as the rest of the world walks. Don't walk as they walk. We, we know the path of their walk. We know what, what's going to come of that walk. We know the destruction that is in the way of that walk. And he says don't walk that way. Don't walk like the rest of the world walks. We're, we're to walk different. Not because we're something better. Not because, not because we, we've done some, born into a particular family, done certain, certain things, been, been in the church. That's, that's not why we walk different. We walk different because of the grace of Christ Jesus our Lord that is put on us at salvation. That's why we walk different. We have Christ. We have Him in us. And Him being in us, that should be the control of our walk. That He is in us. That He resides in us. That He leads us and guides us. That's how we should walk. Not as, these, not as the rest of the world walks. We start... We start looking at the rest of the world and we start pointing to them and saying, well, everybody else does. And all we've done is give ourselves an excuse to walk like the rest of the world. We're not to look at the rest of the world. We're not to use them as our model. We're to look at Christ. We're to look at Him. Listen. You're not to even look at me. You're not to look at each other. You are to look to Christ. Amen. You're to model yourself after Him. 
after Him. Because He's the only perfect one. He's the only righteous one. He's the only holy one. You are to follow Him. And He has redeemed us to do that very thing. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. That's the walk of the Gentiles. The vanity of their mind. Solomon speaks a great deal about that vanity there in the, in the, in the book of, uh, of Proverbs and, and he describes as well as in the book of Ecclesiastes. Really hits it hard in the book of Ecclesiastes as he speaks concerning that vanity. That word vanity simply means emptiness. It's, it's not. It's, it's for nothing. And this is how the world walks. It's the way they walked in Paul's day. It's the way they walk in this day. That is how their, their heart is fixed. That is how their mind is fixed. It is fixed on emptiness. Emptiness. And the vanity of their mind. The vanity of their mind. Now, consider that just a moment. We don't see the emptiness when we're just observing from the outside. We see people moving and doing. It seems like they're being productive. They're trying to, they're trying to do in their lives. They, they're going to their jobs. They're raising their families. They're... They are, they are doing whatever they are doing in life. And, and we don't necessarily see that as empty. In fact, we can get focused on the things that they are doing. And then in seeing what they are doing, we can very easily say, well, they don't look that bad. That looks like that's pretty good. And people that are being productive, people that are trying to serve in their society, people that are trying to, to do right and do good as far as the society is concerned. That's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things. But ultimately, the heart, the heart without Christ is a heart that is only following self. The heart without Christ is a heart that is only following self. And self is empty. Self is vanity. Self will always lead us away from God. Will lead us away from God. God. And so that's the reason he's describing it here as the, the vanity of their mind, the, the emptiness of their mind, because it is simply leading them away from where they ought to be. Just as don't walk as other Gentiles walk. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. This is, this is the mind, this is the heart without Christ. Understanding darkened. Alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness, the blindness of their heart. 
They're lost in the vanity of their mind, consumed with self. Their understanding darkened by their sin. And as long as they remain in that sin, that darkness only grows, you see. Alienated from the mercy and grace of God by their own ignorance of Him and their own ignorance of self. And as time progresses, they fall headlong into their sin so that it consumes their every thought and every deed. Who being past feeling, he says in verse 19, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's where that darkness leads. That's where that darkness leads. To do all the perverseness that they can get away with. To work all that perverseness that they can do that's in their heart. To work all of that and they do so with a lust for it. With greediness, he uses that term there. They have to have more. And have to have more. And go a little darker. And go a little deeper. And they have to have more and more and more. Paul says don't walk that way. Don't walk that way. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, Paul says here concerning this, this heart set, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, let me read verse 1 as well, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's what he's saying there in verse number 19 when he says they are past feeling. Past feeling. Conscience has been seared. been seared not to recognize the things of God. It's been seared not to recognize those transgressions against Him. It's been seared so that they can't even recognize the sin that they have performed, the sin that they are in. They, they, don't, they don't relate it any longer to God. The conscience seared, burnt, so that it no longer stings when the sin is in them or when they are performing the sin. Paul says don't walk as these Gentiles walk. But he says in verse 20, we are to follow the example of Christ, but ye have not so learned Christ. That's not how Jesus walked. He didn't walk in the emptiness of his mind. He, he didn't walk in this, this uncleanness with greediness. He didn't walk in any fashion that the rest of the world walked in. But you have not so learned Christ. 
If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Paul says, you know, that's not, that's not the walk of Christ. That's not how He lived. That's not what He did. That's not what He taught you to do. He didn't teach you to, to, to oh, okay, you're saved now, just go on. Do your thing. Do your best. I'll see you when you die. It's not what he did. But that's, that's the majority of what the world thinks. And sadly, it's what the majority of Christians think today. Their life for Christ is. I'm saved. Got that, that box checked. I'm good to go. See you when I die, Lord. And they think they can go on and live their lives for self and do their own thing and follow after self and follow after the world. And Paul is telling us here, don't do that. That's not who Jesus is. That's not what He's taught you. You have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ. If so be that you've heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Not only is it in Him, He is the truth, He says in John 14, verse 6. We that have experienced grace know that the walk of the Gentiles is not how the child of God is supposed to behave. And the longer we are in Christ and the closer we are to Christ, the more that we hate what walk of the Gentiles is in us. The more we despise it. Because whether we like it or not, it is graded. In other words, we, we, there's places in our lives that we've allowed the walk of the Gentiles to be in us. Oh, we won't do it there. And we won't quite go that far. And I'm not going to act like those folks act. Now, I'm not going to do what that bunch does over there. But you know that right there. That's not that bad. I'll, I'll allow just this one thing. Maybe this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of this one too. And then we start we start allowing a little piece, a little thing, a little bit of this world's walk. But now the big things, no, no, we won't I won't go that far. And we start making excuse. For the walk of the Gentiles that is in us. But the longer we are in Christ, the closer we draw to Him, the more devoted we are to worship and serve and be faithful to Him, the more we see those compromises in us and we, the more that we hate those compromises. The more disgusted we become with ourselves. Because we recognize 
the closer we are to Christ, we recognize more and more clearly this should not be in my life. This has no place in me. Why have I allowed this here? And so he says, you've not so learned Christ. You've not so learned Christ. It's not for us to do our own thing, follow our own way. But we are owned by Him. We are bought by Him. The Scripture tells us that we are, we are His servants. We are made His slave. His doulos is the word there. He bought us with a price. He owns us. And we are to do as His servants, as His slaves, we are to do the bidding of our Master in our lives. He says in verse 22, He says that ye put off that ye put off concerning the former conversation. The old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is the new life for the child of God. This is, this is the life that we are to be leading. This is the life that is to be found in us. The truth of Christ. What we've learned of Him is the putting away of that old man. That old nature. The former attitudes and and the views of the flesh. We're to, those things are corrupt. Those things are to be put out from us. And they are corrupt, he says, because of those deceitful lust. Deceitful lust. Those lusts, those corruptions that Satan puts before us, those desires of our heart that are a part of this world, that are a part of the wickedness and the darkness of this world, those things that look so good to us in the moment, those things that are so desirable, those things that seemingly would be just what I need. Paul reminds us those things, those lusts are deceit. They're deceitful. They lie to us. Or better yet, we lie to ourselves about them. Those lusts, those deceitful lusts are lies sent us by our own depravity, sent us by Satan and his forces bringing them against us in that daily warfare that we go through 
and those things are put in our path and we have to recognize them for what they are when they creep up in front of us to recognize and know that that's not supposed to be in my life. That's not supposed to be about me. That's not supposed to be in, in, in my heart. Because I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. He's redeemed me unto Himself. These things should not be entertained in my heart and mind. And so he says, put off those things. Put off. Put off those things. Those things of the old nature. Those things of the flesh. He says, put those things away from us. That, by the way, requires a, a dying to self. Paul calls it mortifying our members in Colossians chapter 3. It's a dying to our flesh every day. And I'm not going to feed the wickedness. I'm not going to give a place for the wickedness. Galatians chapter 2, he says in verse number 20, Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul said, he's, he's telling us here, and he says this many times in his writing, he is reckoning himself dead to self and alive unto Christ Jesus. Amen. Alive unto Christ. So he says, put off. Put off this, this old nature. Put off that old conversation, he said. And then he says in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. That's the same thing he says there in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Same thing he says here. He says, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is, this, all of this is putting off and this being renewed. And then the third thing he says is put on uh, the new man in verse 24. All of this is a daily process. A daily process that we have to go through. As we draw near to our Lord, these things have to be a, a part of our daily exercise. Putting off the old man, renewing our mind in Christ Jesus, and putting on the new man. Every day, we're to die to self. 
and live unto Christ. Paul says there in verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is not our old man made better. The new man is not our old man made better. It can't get better. It can't get better. It's not the new man made better, but rather the new man, or the old man, I should say, made better. The new man, rather, is Christ in us. Christ in us. It's Him residing in uh, That's That's the new man. That's that new nature put in us at our salvation. It is Christ Jesus in us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Paul says here, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's that new nature. That's, that's what we are to put on, he says. And again, that's, that's a daily process. Paul, Paul speaks to that issue there in Romans chapter number 7, that reality that the, that the old nature is still in us. And now after salvation, that new nature is put there. And now there's that, that warfare, that competing nature of those two natures. You have the old trying to, to take his place back. You have the old pushing to, to, to have control. You have the old trying to, to turn our heads and turn our hearts constantly fighting against us. And then there's that new man in us that, that changes our very hearts, that our desires are now different from what they were before, that our, 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 our hope is different than what it was before. Now we want to live for Christ. Now we want to serve Him. Now we want to be faithful to our God. And that desire in our hearts that's brought in us by the new nature is fighting against that old because that old continually is lying, continually pushing self. It's continually saying, come on back over. It's so much better here. There's a warfare that goes on within us. A few weeks ago we were looking there in Ephesians chapter 6 as Paul describes that that daily warfare that we are in. Particularly there in verse number 12, he talks about the enemy that we face that, is, that comes against us there in Ephesians chapter 6. But the, the reality is our biggest enemy that we face each and every day is ourselves. Ourselves. And so he says, put on. Put on the new man. 
put on that new man. And then he, verse 25, he begins to deal with some specifics. And I'll move through these rather quickly here. Okay. Verse 25, he says, Wherefore, putting away lying, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Don't be lying to one another. Don't be lying to one another. Tell each other the truth. Tell it in love. Tell it in kindness. Not for the purpose of hurting, not for the purpose of beating over the head, but don't lie to one another. Tell each other the truth. Put away lying from our lives. Anger, he says, is the next thing he speaks of in verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Now, anger itself is not a sin. It's all right to feel angry. I've been there a few times. The problem is I don't always stop at the anger part. I go on and do the sin part too. You see, that's sadly where we end up. It's, it's our reaction to the anger. It's all right to feel angry. We've been, we've been hurt. Somebody's done something against us. They've, they, they've wronged us in some way. And so because that anger rises in us, we know, okay, I've been hurt. There's something, there's nothing wrong with feeling the anger, right? But it's the reaction to the anger is where often our sin comes into place. And so Paul says, be ye angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. Handle that anger in righteousness. Handle that anger with the Lord's help. Give Him that anger. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down, he says, upon your wrath. Reconcile. Reconcile with each other. When there's anger, when there's hurt, reconcile. Make things right. Don't continue in that anger. Don't continue in that separation. Don't continue in, the, in that, that hurt, but rather make it right one to another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then he says, neither give place to the devil. Now, there's all kinds of ways that we can take that, but Paul has warned us already before that when we are unforgiving, we are opening the door for Satan to have a foothold. When we are unforgiving, when we're holding on to those hurts, when we're holding on to those wrongs, when we're holding on to those things that have been done against us, then, then, and we're not willing or not striving to forgive, not striving to reconcile, that in that, in that crack that is made there, Satan can wedge his foot in and you've given place for him and he'll hold on there for dear life. He'll do everything he can to stay right there. And so he says, don't give place to the devil. Don't allow him a place in your life. When there's hurt, when there's when there is a problem, when there is is that 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 uh, uh, wrongdoing done to you, be ready, be open, strive for reconciliation and forgiveness. Don't let Satan have a foothold in your life, because he tries in every way, in every way, 
to destroy you. And he will get his foot in wherever he can get his foot in. Don't give place to the devil. He says in verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Paul says, let the thief no longer be a thief, but be a giver. The thief no longer be a thief, but rather be a giver instead. That can only come by Christ. That can only come by his, by his change. That can only come by that new nature that he's given. Then he says, verse 29, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth or proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. All that comes forth from our lips should be should be to the edifying of those around us. Now, that's not always what we do. It's not always what we do. We, we, we have uh, communication one with another. And we talk back and forth and we speak concerning things on our hearts and on our minds and Somebody will say the wrong thing to us. They'll hurt us. Maybe they didn't intend to. Maybe they did. Maybe, maybe what they intended to do was to speak mean to you. Maybe that's exactly what they meant. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it was just them speaking and you interpreted what they were saying wrong. Whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. Something is spoken. Something, something is, is, is brought to us. Something of, of, that is, is delivered to us hurts us, hurts our person, hurts our feelings. We, we feel the, the, the bite. We feel the pain of, of that which is delivered to us that is communicated to us. And the first thing out of our mouth, oh, well, perhaps... Perhaps I've misunderstood. Perhaps I've taken this wrong. Perhaps perhaps they just didn't know what they were saying. I forgive them. Lord, help me to forgive them. Is that the first thing that comes across your mind? It's not the first thing that comes across my mind. First thing that comes across my mind is that dirty rotten scoundrel. How dare they speak to me like that? How dare they say that to me? And usually, we speak back. And it's not for edifying. Oh, it edifies me because it makes me feel good about me in the moment. But it's not for the edifying of the other. Our purpose, when we get in that situation, our purpose, I'm going to hurt you just as bad as you hurt me. And if I'm good, I'm going to, I'm going to do it more. I'm going to hurt you more 
then you've hurt me. That's how the Gentiles walk. And Paul says, don't walk like them. Don't walk like them. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Our speech is to build one another up. Or at least that's what it's supposed to do. To build one another up. We don't do it right. We don't do it perfectly. By no means do we do it perfectly. And we can see all the time where our, our, our whole intent of edifying just crumbles and it didn't work at all. We can see that all the time. But our heart, our purpose, our desire should be that everything that comes out of our mouths is for the purpose of building one another up. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then he says, grieve not. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We'll come back to these last three verses. I don't want to rush through those. There's just too much there. There's too much through the whole section here, but... I don't want to. I don't want to skip too quickly over these three verses because Paul has so much in there for us. So much. Don't walk as this world walks. Don't walk as this world. Don't use this world's model as the example for your life, and don't use it as your excuse. Walk in Christ Jesus. He has given himself for us. He gave all of himself for us. He gave himself to redeem us unto himself, to make us alive, to forgive us our sins, to make us the children of God, to, to give us eternal life. He did all of that for us. And he's called us to live for him. To live for him. To serve him. To follow him. That's what he's called us to do. We cannot live for self. We no longer belong to self. We belong to Christ. Our identity is now in Him. It's no longer in Clint Keith. My identity is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. He bought me. He owns me. I belong to Him. And so I don't live for self. I'm not to live for self. I do. 
Because I fail constantly. But that's not my heart's desire. It's not what I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to live for Him. Walk. Walk in Christ. Don't walk after this world. Walk in Christ Jesus our Lord. Walk in Him. Put off this old man. Renew the spirit of your mind each day. And put on that new man that is Christ. Every single day, die to self, live to Christ. Because that's what he saved us for. That you and I, in our daily lives, would bring glory to our God. That is our chief function in this world. It is the chief function of all of His creation. Bring glory to God. We can't do that when we're walking by the world. Walk after Christ. Bring glory to His name. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us a song?